baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Some breaking news right now. Uh, There is a new general to be Ukraine's next military chief after President Volodymyr Zelensky announced that he has replaced the former general. This is the latest twist in this saga. There was, you know, it was a contentious relationship between uh, who was running the operations and President Zelensky. Uh, He dismissed his other military chief 10 days ago. With the latest from Ukraine and also the very latest on the American vote, on Congress's vote not to fund Ukraine, and don't worry, it probably still will come, is Joe Lindsley. Joe has been living in Ukraine. He's been a reporter his whole career. He currently runs Ukrainian Freedom News, and he is live from Kharkiv. Joe, I am always so glad to hear your voice on this show. Jordana, it's always great to speak with you. And actually, right now, I'm in Kiev. I'm in the Ukrainian capital. Uh, I'm uh, in the shadow of St. Michael's Golden Domed Monastery, one of the key sites in the city, one of the key places in Ukraine's revolution of 2014, uh, when they resisted the Russian control of this country. And yeah, indeed, as you said in your introduction, there's a lot of news swirling around. I was actually, I spent most of the past month in Kharkiv, 30 miles from Russia. It was terrifying. <laughs> I slept on the floor of the bathroom most nights uh, because of the intensity of Russian attacks. Uh, here in Kiev, uh, Kiev is much more well-protected and it's calmer. And in fact, the past uh, two days, I, I, I attended the Kiev International Cyber Resilience Forum, uh, a cybersecurity conference. Uh, with many civilian and military people uh, working to protect this country and working to use technology uh, to, to, to defeat the Russian invaders. And it's very telling, because I was surrounded by military people, uh, that right as the conference ended, we had the news that uh, you know, rumors have been going for a swirling for a long time that President Zelensky was going to dismiss the commander-in-chief. Uh, Ukraine is different. The commander-in-chief is not the president. Uh, it's a separate position. Uh, General Zeluzny, the, the well-loved commander-in-chief of Ukraine's armed forces. And I was, I was surrounded by military, and everything was calm. No one was panicking. You know, I think sometimes, I think when we, as we see this emerge in the headlines uh, this evening and then tomorrow in the U.S., I think, you know, the media might make this into a panic situation. Uh, but I don't, I don't see that here. Uh, for one, many people knew this was coming. Um you know, General Zeluzny, in the polls, he is the most single, well-beloved person in Ukraine. Uh, so that's very telling. More, more beloved than the president. Uh, but interestingly, it is General Zeluzny that has that have been calling for a more massive mobilization of civilians into the army. It was President Zelensky that was resisting that. So the policy of mobilization, as proposed by General Zeluzny, uh, was not so popular, even though he personally... I was very popular, and uh, and I think I was just talking with a senior soldier, a senior officer, who said, 
we, we, they admire the professionalism of the military leadership, uh, and there's no panic or reason to give up the fight. And I, I would say, like, I felt that very much being surrounded by many uh, Ukrainian officers uh, as this news broke. So, Joe, hey, it's Adam. Uh, so what, is this te- what, is, what does this change, though, tell us about how maybe the strategy, if at all, is changing for Ukraine? Well, and first, and I should mention, too, the other big piece of news swirling around so we don't miss it. But in a few hours, we'll be really, on Eastern time, 6 o'clock uh, U.S. time, we'll have Tucker Carlson's interview with Vladimir Putin, my former colleague, Tucker Carlson. Uh, so that's also a, that's a key topic. Many people are talking about that here yeah, right now. We'll get to uh, it. Yep, for sure. Things are happening. Oh, well, the fact that this is happening on the same day. Um, but I, I think uh, there, there's been a... There, there's a debate in Ukrainian society, and, and this is a, it's a sign of healthy democracy, or of democracy, that, you know, you, you, you have to, you know, when you're in, in any situation, especially an existential situation, you got to figure out, you got to make some tough choices. Uh, in, in a country with no democracy and no freedom, we don't see those choices. You know, we don't, there's no free press. Uh, there's no people who, who can't complain. Uh, so we don't see this in so much in Russia. We, you know, we, we did have that moment of the seeming coup against Putin uh, from the late uh, Progrosian, uh, but, but generally you don't see that in a dictatorship. Uh, Ukraine, you know, so the strength of it is this is democracy at work, uh, but the difficult thing is, you know, when democracy at work, it's messy and it's public. And obviously, you know, you, you, uh, the, the, those who oppose Ukraine and those who are against funding for Ukraine could use this to look at, oh, this looks like some kind of instability. But that, again, that's, I mean, like, I would say two weeks ago when we first began to hear the news that President Zelensky was going to dismiss Zeluzhny, uh, there, I, there was a lot of angry people. Uh, I spoke with, you know, with people in the military, and they were upset. Uh, but now there's been time to sort of think about it and process it. And uh, as I saw, this conference I attended the past couple of days, uh, this cybersecurity conference, uh, it, it, it was it was really an inspiring and encouraging thing because I knew all along that you know Tucker Carlson, for example, was in Moscow at a high level. We had people actively working to cover up the reality of Ukraine and pretend that this is some conspiracy. Uh, just a week ago, you had Victoria Nuland, uh, Under Secretary of State in the U.S. Uh, she came to Kiev. It was strange that the White House censored here so publicly because they have to know that. You know, even people like Joe Rogan and, uh, and Jordan Peterson, very popular American voices, they claim that this one American woman created Ukraine's revolution in 2014. Uh, and so we have on all sides these sort of conspiracies and drama about Ukraine. But what I see here and what I saw at that conference these past days uh, is what, you, what I know Ukraine to be. Uh, the, you know, citizens, people who want to live in and, and they, you know, they believe in faith, family, and freedom. Uh, as many times as I feel that Ukraine is really the Texas of Europe, um, it's, a, it's this wide, free country. And what I saw these past couple of days, people from all different walks of life and people from other countries who came here. Uh, they, we had this conference, even though there was a massive missile strike on Kiev two days ago, um, and, and, and came here to figure out solutions uh, to fight Russian propaganda, uh, to protect uh, systems here, whether it's... Uh, the uh, train, the rail network, or banking systems uh, from Russian hacks, and and also, uh, what I saw, the, the, I saw a great sense of optimism. How to turn these things 
these wartime measures into sustainable long-term businesses uh, that can benefit the world. You know, it's also how to make Ukraine into a real Silicon Valley uh, because it, because it's forced by necessity uh, they have to invent things. And uh, and so I, I, I saw, uh, and it, I would say, uh, Adam Jordan, I mean, when I got to Kiev two days ago, I, I, I was feeling pretty bad. I mean, the poor city of Kharkiv, it's a noble and valiant place, but it, the Russians have been pounding the hell out of it. Uh, and, and it's scary and difficult to be there. I, I don't see people running away from it, uh, but it does make you depressed. But then to come here and to be surrounded by people meeting in a secret place underground so they don't get bombed, um, but, but you know, to, to see the energy and the enthusiasm and how no one for even one second was thinking of giving up, uh, that's the story of Ukraine. Uh, and so no matter who the leader is of the military, uh, it's the people who are going, going to fight. And, you know, probably after two years, you know, uh, you can, we can see how it makes sense. You need to, you got to change the dynamics of the battlefield. Uh, and so probably that's why President Zelensky has, has made this choice. I'm glad to hear some positive news and and leaders of Ukraine looking forward, creating a new Silicon Valley like uh, free society with uh, new innovation. But I'm also hearing, Joe, that maybe you're a little worried about Tucker Carlson's interview with Putin. You're talking about a lot of propaganda that's already happening within certainly within Russia, Ukraine and the United States. Uh, what do you think this effect will have? And do you have any insights onto what they'll be discussing? No, but the only insight I have is because I know Tucker Carl- I knew Tucker Carlson personally, and you know I, I was protege to the chairman of Fox News, and in that capacity, uh, I knew Tucker, and uh, you know I I, I I could see like his appeal in America. Uh, you know, he, he questions the system and the authority, and that's a good thing. I mean, that's part of the reason why I left Fox News. I think I didn't think they were doing enough with all their resources of those in charge. Um, and so Tucker began to make that his stick, but the reason why I did leave Fox is because you can easily forget about truth and realize that simply by uh, sort of poking holes in different theories and ideas, people will follow you and listen to you, and you can become very lazy with that. Even though you have all this money that would enable you to be a great investigator, I didn't see that at Fox, uh, even though there were some good people there, of course, but... Uh, and Tucker did this exceptionally well. You know, remember P.T. Barnum, uh, great, you know, the circus guy in America. No one ever went broke underestimating the intelligence of the American people. And this is where we, I think we all have to be on guard. Like, Tucker's questions are, you know, there's something to it. We should, we should question, you know, the, the guidance that got us into 20 years of war in Iraq and Afghanistan. But, you know, if you're going to do the investigation, then you should come here to Ukraine you know, and stand under the missiles and see what Russia's doing. And then go to events like I did these past two days and see, you know, men and women of all different ages who deeply want to be free and do everything they can to hold on to that. But instead of that, Tucker, with all of his resources, is going to Moscow, a place where there's no war. So how is he going to how is he going to give some people a glimpse of the reality? You know, he's, he's in the literal Potemkin village. Um... Uh, you know, that they, they actually is a term that came from Russia, you know, creating a fake village uh, to, you know, to, to obscure the reality. And, and that's, the, that's what Moscow is. No one there is living in wartime. Uh, and, and this is, you know, Ukraine, even with the support that Ukraine has received from the West, and this is a key question, you know, the United States still refuses, the, the, the Biden administration still refuses to send Ukraine long-range weapons. They still refuse.
refuse to permit Ukraine to hit any targets on Russian soil. And I felt this very deeply in Kharkiv. 30 miles from Russia, there's no protection in Kharkiv. So Kiev is protected by Patriot missiles, and in some ways Kiev has become a Disney world for foreign politicians. If your numbers are low in the polls, take that beautiful train to Kiev, and you get some great photos, and you get a boost back home. But the West will not send the proper air defense to a place like Kharkiv. And they won't put weapons in Kharkiv that Ukrainians could use to hit targets across the border in Russia, uh, to hit the, the very military bases in which Russia attacks Ukraine. And it's really amazing to consider this. After two years, uh, except for the United Kingdom, which has given some weapons and permission to do so, uh, U.S. and Germany and others will not uh, permit Ukraine to attack anything on Russian soil. How do you win a war that way? It's extremely difficult. Um, and, and, and this is, this is, this is the, the very sort of scary reality. Uh, you know, we're in now, which I especially see in the East. And you know, the, the other thing, you know, it's about once a week, the Russians launch these nationwide attacks upon Ukraine. And I was thinking about that. Why is it once a week? You know, if they did it every day, uh, you could really break a city. But I think the, the Russians, and, and going back to their Soviet, you know, study of, of, of how to control people uh, psychologically, you know, if, if they bombed Ukraine like that every single day, which they tried to do at the beginning, there would be horrible headlines. And, and, and the, the sympathy of the world would be reawakened for Ukraine. And so instead what Russia does is they bomb once a week, uh, enough to, you know, prevent the society from, you know, existing freely here, but not enough to, to wake up the world. And that's sort of the situation we're in. And I wish people that had their investigative resources uh, of, say, Tucker Carlson would, would put more pressure, for example, on the White House. I mean, well, you know, they, they sent um, in October 17 attackums, long-range uh, missile launchers to Ukraine. Ukraine immediately used those to hit Russian uh, uh, bases on occupied Ukrainian territory incredibly effectively. And then no more. No more of these were sent. And no one in our media, in the White House press corps, asked a question about it. And as, as you look closely, you know, Ukraine policy in the White House seems to be controlled by one guy, Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor. And, 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 and he's, I mean, it's, I wish Tucker would, you know, you, again, use his resources to examine that. Is Jake Sullivan accountable to Joe Biden? Does Joe Biden know what's going on? And there's no focus on that. And so in, in the middle, uh, we're left with the, the, the people here of Ukraine. And I, I mean, even, you know, uh, an hour after a missile attack, you know, people are going to work. They, they, they won't, they refuse to give up. And, and they're cheerful. People aren't crying in the streets. Um, it's just an amazing thing to see. And so much of the story is being missed um, by, in general by Americans, and especially by the Americans who follow someone like Tucker Carlson. You know, they'll praise... Uh, the protest movements in Poland and Ireland, but for some reason, miss hmm. uh, this episode mm-hmm. of resistance here. Joe, we're out of time. Thank you so much. Uh, we will speak with you again. Please stay safe. It's hard to believe we're go- coming up on two years since the start of this war, and you've done incredible work for uh, for us, and we appreciate mm-hmm. that. And we'll we'll speak again, sir. Thanks. And yeah, it's, you know, if, it, if it had only been a hundred days. Uh, this would be lost, and I probably wouldn't be talking to you, you know, alive. So two years is a sign of of success in a way, and I look forward to our next conversation. Great perspective there. Thank you, Joe. Joe. Fascinating, and I I mean, we had more questions. We're just out of time with Joe, but 
what is going on there is still so awful. We know there's other conflicts around the world, but they are fighting the good fight in Ukraine. And um, I will be watching that interview with Putin. You're going to watch that, Tucker. Yeah, right? I, yeah I, I want to see what he has to say. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm well, let's give our thoughts about that. Let's take yeah. a break. Yeah, yeah. We're just going to have a very short uh, segment here up next. But uh, uh, we'll give I'm going to give. Yeah, I'm going to tune in to Tucker Carlson mm-hmm. and Vladimir Putin. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why next. Uh, back to we just got this text. I really had trouble understanding Joe from Ukraine. Uh, Joe Lindsley, who we just spoke to, uh, was he saying that President Biden is in, and his administration is not doing enough? We know the House will not let aid pass. And was he praising Tucker Carlson? Really weird. I think he was praising Tucker Carlson, the idea that we should always question authority, which is really at the heart of what journalism is. But if you look at Tucker Carlson's track record and how he's spoken about Russia in the past, I think you have to take a grain of salt, and most people are, with how he approaches this interview with Vladimir Putin. But that being said, Jordana, of course I want to see that because we haven't seen a Western journalist quote-unquote journalist, interview Vladimir Putin. Now, I have what I have a problem with is Tucker Carlson saying, well, no other uh, Western journalist has tried to interview Putin. Now, give me a break. I mean, any credible Western journalist would want to talk to Vladimir Putin. But there's a reason why it's Tucker Carlson getting that interview. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And Thank you. And yes, he's been, saying the quiet part out loud. Right, That's and clearly exactly he's been right. pro-Russian yes. here. And. Yes. And it's been eroding support for Ukraine. It it has been, and I'm I'm sorry. I'm in the camp of don't be we, sorry. We stop we stop Russia at Ukraine, or who knows where they go next. I'm in that camp, and no, I don't want to keep spending. And I don't want an unlimited pocketbook saying, "Here you go, Ukraine, take all the money you want." No, but I also want to made a good point remember about the long-range missiles like why are we not sending the missiles that will actually work to stop this war what is happening you know it's sort of like even what's happening in israel okay we'll give you support but not enough to win we'll give you support but you still have to provide aid or you 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 can't hit them back that hard and why are we doing that like okay america the war in ukraine has gone on forever we want them to win no are we wrong we want i want them yes but to I, win i so do i but i understand that the, that there's a level of engagement though that once uh, there's a level of engagement and what you supply and i'm totally on board with uh, that's a very dangerous game when if okay uh, once we send this amount then okay is this America's war as opposed to assisting another country in their war? And I, I don't, I don't uh, criticize anybody for being very cautious about the level of engagement and level of support in certain circumstances based on what other bad actors would get involved once we escalate something. I mean, are we escalating if we send weapons? That's what we've been doing. It's yeah, just but, a matter of well, the cert- kind of weapons. Yeah, kind of weapons. I think that absolutely mm-hmm. does. That Moscow view, views that as an escalation, and then, okay, who else gets involved at that point? I think that's the balance that's there. Uh, fair enough. Again, I don't know enough about mm-hmm. war and weaponry and things like that to, you know, to, to really speak about this. I just feel like if the... U.S. supports Ukraine. They would do whatever they can. I mean, and and we don't want to put boots on the ground. We don't. I don't want to send American kids over there to fight this war in Ukraine. And Ukraine says we can do it. We just need the proper support. I feel like it's been a while 
what are, what do we expect? You know, Putin has unlimited resources that he stole from the Russian people. So, mm-hmm. you guys, if we don't provide them with the means to win this war, they're not going to win. A hard turn, which is what we do here yeah. on the show from time to time, but that uh, that's what we do. We'll end it on a little light, much lighter uh, topics. It is Dear Jordana, and it is uh, this. Any kind of uh, questions you have for Jordana, any advice you need, she will pull no punches. You know Jordana as well as I do. Uh, you gotta get the, you're going to get the, the hard, difficult truth sometimes. But we love your questions. We'd love a phone call or two to 651-461-9226. And this time we're bringing the heat. David's got a question. He's got something in Ooh. his life that he needs advice on. I have something uh, in my life that I need uh, advice on. Well, we welcome you into this conversation. 651-461-9226. Your calls and texts for Dear Jordana next on WCCO. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Okay, here's the first question right out of the bat based on a commercial we just heard. Jordana, what do I do about my loose, oily stools? <laughs> oh, <laughs> call, call the doctor, call. friend. Call the, and, and put a warning Cheese, eat more cheese. Yeah, eat more cheese. I, I, I'm not, Jordana, I know when I am not qualified. That's not a good dear Jordana question. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. <sighs> sorry. Okay. That's, yeah. Uh, drama, drama, drama. Jan checks in as usual. Yes. Are you ready for oh, her great. question? Great. Dear Jordana, Viva Las Vegas. My mm. husband and I were enjoying our visit at the Las Vegas casino at a, at a Vegas casino. While walking through the casino, I had my arm around my husband's waist. All of a sudden, a security guard approached my husband and said, "Do you know this woman? She might be trying to steal your wallet." Was this security guard being overzealous? I was stunned by this encounter as I've never believed I fit the profile of a professional Vegas pickpocket. Thank you, Drama Jam. Oh, I, I think that, that security guard was doing a great job. Absolutely, Jan. I guess that means that maybe, you know, you looked like a, a young woman who was trying to pick up somebody. So <laughs> I would take that as a compliment and um, that you were well-dressed uh, kind of like a high-class hooker, Jan, <laughs> and the cop identified you as somebody who might be taking advantage of your innocent husband from the Midwest. So own it, girlfriend, I've, and uh, use it in the bedroom. You, if you I was going to say a little role-playing there. Huh? Use it. Yes, use it. I found so, this key in your wallet. Uh, mm-hmm. Is this your room? So I would, yeah, I would take that as a compliment, Jan. And uh, good on the Vegas police for protecting everybody, but work it, girl. Six five one four six one nine two two six. Let's get to this one before David and myself uh, uh, give our questions. Dear Jordana, my seventy-year-old friend is getting remarried, and she wants a bachelorette weekend in Vegas. I'm in her wedding Vegas. party, which I also think is ridiculous at age seventy. I'm only a little younger than she is, but I do not want to do this. How do I get out of this? Oh, this is a tough one because it's obviously a close friend, right? Right. Um, 
And you guys are probably all planning it together because, you know, it's your bachelorette party and you're in the party. Can you got I, I'll need some help with this. How do people feel about second marriage, bachelor and bachelorette yes, parties and big wedding? You, you know, I I am curious. And I'm not sure. Uh, the fact that I've had a second marriage, you think would give me expertise. But mm-hmm. like, I didn't do any of that. I wasn't Nor like, woohoo, no. girls weekend. No. And, and I want a white dress. And I want this and that. Like, I didn't have, you know, like a shower. God forbid we said no gifts. Our wedding was on a Sunday morning. Like, again, not that you can't do it up necessarily, but I just, I don't know. I didn't feel the need to as a second bride. I was certainly not wearing a, a white dress. My children walked down the aisle. You know, it's not, it's not like it was a, it's not a first marriage. It's not the fairy tale. We've been there, done that. My parents even said, we're not paying for this one. I'm like, <laughs> I t- and they love Mark. I'm like, I get it. No problem. Mark and I have this. So, um, you know, for me, I'll tell you what I did. I can't, uh, it wasn't a big deal. We didn't do the bachelorette party. We didn't do, and I get it. If you're in your 60s or 70s, you might not want to be party to this because God knows you probably want to be in bed by 10 o'clock. I, I am. <laughs> me too. Uh, at, 50, at 51, I am. Um, you know what? If you can lie, do it. Just say, I can't make it that weekend. I'm so sorry. If you can't, like if you have a lot of free time or she knows your schedule, then you're going to have to tell the truth. Like, I'm not up for this or, okay, maybe I'll join you, but I'm going to like go to the spa and be in bed by 10. I think you have to be honest about that. But I'd be curious to know what other people feel. Like, did Jen do the white dress and the... Well, yeah, she just had a kind of a white cocktail dress because we we eloped. Mm -hmm. We went to Vegas, got married by a uh, Elvis impersonator. And it was just the two of us. And we just planned it on our own. We paid for it. We didn't tell anybody we were doing it. And we always oh, said, hey, we'll have a party once we get back. We still have yet to have that party. Uh, but yeah, like if my if she would have told me at the time, hey, if you want to do a bachelor weekend with buddies, uh, maybe I would have said, hey, if we want you guys want to like go out. But no, I was not like, hey, all right, another bachelor party. Absolutely not. And I certainly, if I did do that and someone said, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'd be like, fine, that's okay. It's just very casual. Yeah. I'd be curious. Six five one four six one nine two two six. Uh someone texted in first wedding only, even if you didn't have a bachelorette party the first time. Okay, interesting. Uh this says wedding party woman should play the COVID card. <laughs> oh man, I forgot about the COVID card. <laughs> that's right. That's right. COVID card. Oh yeah. So okay, you can. You can absolutely play that oh i got sick and i can't come but yeah yeah, i I think that we if you want a party have a party at your house invite everybody pay for it but to expect like bridesmaids or 65 year old maids of honor to be partying with you in vegas i think that's a big ask i agree all right dj what's your question for dear jordana i got one for you jordana dear jordana my five-year-old recently asked if she could invite a new friend of hers, her her best friend from school, over for a play date. So I, of course, said yes. And yesterday, her uh, her little five-year-old friend came over and uh, the dad came with, which I expected, right? A parent would come with. And we were um, hanging out outside. We had a fire going. And, uh, you know, you enter it sort of with a little appreh- apprehension. But I meet this other dad, and he is... 
very kind. We get along. We start talking. They sort of are in the same life stage. They have one younger kid mm-hmm. and one that's five years old. They're into camping. We share some other hobbies. He brews beer. I make maple syrup. And I'm. we're like, okay, this is maybe a, a, a person and a family that, that we should be friends with. Now, meanwhile, we'll my wife had already yeah. warned me, and she said, don't be too weird. Oh, and like, don't be too, she yeah, said that to you? Yeah, we're kind of, I don't know. Yes, yes, because she thinks we're weird, weird. And I guess I agree <laughs> that we're, we're kind of a non-conventional family and we do weird things. So she wants me to not come on too Wear strong and be too time. weird. But I'm ready to be like, this is a family we should be friends with. I'm ready to like text him today and say, hey, when are you going to bring over some of that beer you're brewing? Um, how long, dear Jordana, do I have to wait before I pursue this friendship with my daughter's best friend's family? You're not weird. <laughs> yes, and... I, I am. It's okay. <laughs> also, but weird. also, you know weird what? If you, like, if you like the dude, there's no reason why you have to rope Katrina and the rest of the family in. You know, you can have a friendship outside of the couple's friend. Eventually, maybe Katrina will feel more comfortable. You know, maybe Katrina's got more female friends. But if you're like, oh, I really click with this guy, David, I would say you can be new BFF. Start texting him memes now. You know, it's all good. Do that. And Katrina can get on board later. But you you know what? You can also do play dates with you men and the girls and your daughters. You don't I don't I don't think we should rope our spouses into every mm. single thing. It's okay to have relationships outside, you know, with people of the same sex outside. Like I think if you clicked with the wife of this woman, my answer would be well, a little that's different. A, that's a different story. But you yes. you, you clicked <laughs> with the the dad um and you're both straight men, so I would say having a platonic friendship with the kids other dad go, go for it. You could start, like I said, start texting him memes now. That's the measure of friendship. If you're texting your your friend a bunch of memes, memes. you guys are BFF. Yeah, gifts. Yeah. Gifts, your best yes. your best friends already. All right, I'm going to mm-hmm. That's such him. a good point cuz we had a new guy in the hunting camp this year. <laughs> And yeah. he was right away texting us in group texts, like the gifts and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this guy's right into it. And actually turned yeah, out right. he's, he's right. a super yeah. good guy. And it was great. It was like, you love him? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I recently met a new BFF also. When I went on my girl's trip, there was one woman I didn't know. And love, love, love her. Send her inappropriate things all day. Uh, just fantastic. Love her. Uh, this texter says, Dave, uh, the wife has no business getting in the way of a budding bromance. <laughs> yeah, right? right. I'll tell David, Katrina that. You. Mm-hmm. All right, here's mine. Dear Jordana, this is from somebody very close to me. Uh, when your husband scares the bleep out of you in the middle of the night by wailing out loud in the middle, you know, sleepwalking, not sleepwalking, just screaming all of a sudden, A, is it okay to donkey kick him awake? And two, is it okay to be mad at him because then you can't fall back asleep? It's not okay to be mad, but I am all for the donkey kick. Yeah. I am all for like the punch, the zets. You give him a zets, dude. Yeah. You know, you 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 lift up that CPAP and say, stop it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if he's going to wake you or scream, you wake him and you say, this is not appropriate behavior. You're either sleeping on the couch or get it together. Uh, you have to protect your sleep. I am a huge advocate for sleep, and um, I, I like the idea of the donkey kick. Yeah. I don't know that I'm strong enough to do it, but I like it. Go uh, for it. In fairness, the husband was dreaming about a, an intruder storming into the bedroom, and that's why he screamed out loud in the middle of a bad dream. <clears throat> so he was protecting her in his sleep, and while that's noble, 
don't stop think, it. I, I don't think stop he was it. protecting her uh, in so much as he was screaming. He was screaming to wake her up so she could protect him. Do you and Mark okay. do that? Do you ever scream in the middle of a dream like that? Um, I more talk, but he's got the CPAP oh. on, so he can't hear oh. me. Um, do we? Uh, not not so bad. No. no, not so bad. No. See, I do no. that do because yes, because I realize I'm in a nightmare and I start screaming, knowing that that'll wake oh, me up, yeah. and I actually scream, and then I wake myself yeah. up. And does Jen give you a big zets? That's a hit. She poked me and then kicked me. She yeah. gave me the donkey. Uh, you know, fa- yep. fair game. Yep. Fair game. Sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. Somebody back wake to your, up bruised, but <laughs> back to your question of uh, going on the bachelorette party. Ah, this is from a texter. Give the old broader day, have fun, and just do it. <laughs> the old I mean, I guess broad. if you've got like free time and you're just like feeling curmudgeon-y, yeah, but because Vegas is always fun, but it's, that's a lot of work, man, especially if you have to pay for her and everything. I mean, I get it where people don't want to do that. Very good. Uh, another great edition of uh, Dear Jordana. Great questions. Thank you very much. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.